All right, welcome back everyone uh, to another week on the Oh, I Did It Again podcast with your friends Tanya and Rachel. And today we are joined again by our friend Morgan, who was on just a few weeks ago. Morgan. Welcome Morgan back. Um, we um, wanted to bring Morgan back on this podcast because it's on a related topic to mental health. Wanted to talk about alcohol and dating and alcohol and drug use on some level with dating and the, the world that we live in and the alcohol obsessed culture that we find ourselves in. Um, and so, yeah, we just thought we'd bring Morgan back. So how are you doing, Morgan? Anything you want to share um, with our podcast listeners since we last Yeah. Talked? Um, well, I didn't put it in my name, but I am uh, experimenting with some gender fluidity. <laughs> yeah. Nice. This is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I um I've just been like really reflecting and like feeling and the androgyny. And I felt it I've I felt it when I shaved my head the first time. Yeah. And then shaved it this this past time. Like, you know, I think it's time for me to like really step into it and really lean into the fluidity of mm-hmm. my and yeah, so now I'm going by she they. Okay. So if you, you, it doesn't matter which one you use. I'm not offended if you use she. I'm not offended if you use they or you know whatever. Um, and I'm celebrating 234 days sober. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's related to you know our our topics today, which is going to be super about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm uh, currently on vacation up in the middle of nowhere, Michigan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually stopped by shorts today and it was really hard to not beer their beer is so good <sighs> but really good root beer on tap so I got root beer and I was clutch clutch nice yeah Very nice. I do love that um I feel like some breweries have that like right they have like root beer or something that they've made themselves mm-hmm. like a ginger ale yeah, or yeah, I'm starting to see a lot more mocktails on the menu, I feel mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. in, the, in the past yeah. couple of years lately. So that's really good to see, too. Well, first, no. thank you for coming out on the podcast. That's, uh, or like, not coming out, I should say, but like at least expressing your new An part update. of your journey, right? Mm-hmm. An update. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, All great things. So yeah, Morgan is, as she said, over 200 days sober. So that's part of the reason why we wanted to talk to her um, about this topic. But something before we dive into that topic, I have to provide an update because I need to decompress after watching Our Flag Means Our Flag Means Death, the new TV show on mm-hmm. HBO Max. You guys have heard of it, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. We I will say I've not watched it, and I do intend to watch it. So, <laughs> can you process? Do you like? I have no clue what happens aside from like the barest facts of what yes. the show is. Do you think yes. you can process without? spoiling or I think so because you know you know that it involves like you know that the show has really great LGBTQI plus representation right okay in fact I saw something just today maybe it was you who posted it but it could have been on my Twitter that was Taika Waititi talking about like how just everyone's gay (laughs) like if you're wondering like everyone on the show is gay it's like not a question just to that's, a good update. that's a good update I would put Taika Waititi as like another one that vies for that fifth spot of my top five celebrity crushes once in a while he is such an attractive man both he's really physically hot. emotionally yeah. ev- like there's there's nothing I don't like about him 
there's nothing mm-hmm. um yeah but so basically I yeah I think I can decompress a little bit I just love how the tropes that exist in so many other romantic comedies are being are being shown in this show but obviously Mm -hmm. through gay relationships and like I really don't consume a whole lot of gay media to be honest with you um but because I love pirates and I love Taiko Waititi and that like that's what I was like yes I'm on board with this and so I I didn't really know what to expect going into the show but especially this last episode I just watched I'm just like this is the most adorable thing I've ever seen in the entire world. <laughs> I love this this trope right here that exists in so many other romantic comedies. I should say it's episode eight for those listeners who have watched it. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, and then like, Taiko, again, Taika Waititi as Blackbeard is so fucking hot. It's just, He's very I love hot. it. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait for you to watch it, Rachel, so we can actually maybe do a whole, because mm-hmm. again, I think you'll really appreciate it as somebody who loves romantic comedies. Like, I think you'll really appreciate how they play on that trope and that, that genre. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like, it's also just a funny pirate comedy. I don't know. It's so good. It's on my list. really great. So maybe when I get back from vacation, I will, I will dive in. Cause I haven't, I started watching that, um, the uh, documentary on Netflix about the fundamentalist church of Latter. <laughs> I was looking at that last night. It's, I couldn't get through the first episode. Yeah, I do not anticipate that I will be watching that. Yeah. <laughs> it seems really intense, really it, intense. Like, wow. Just, mm-hmm. wow. Religion. That could be a whole that could be a whole podcast topic. It's true. Yeah, actually. Good. I mean, we butt up against it all the time. Yeah, we yeah, talked about purity culture, you know, yeah. a few weeks ago at this yeah. point. But yeah. <laughs> I will say on the gay romance front, if you've not watched Fire Island on Hulu, I cannot recommend it strongly enough. So it's a gay retelling of Pride and Prejudice set on Fire Island. And it's it's just really cute. It's like a perfect rom com. There's just a lot. Yeah. It, I love- like that's whenever I'm like depressed I just put on a rom-com and Mm -hmm. life gets like minutely better I love a Jane Austen adaptation and they do such a good job with it yes I didn't mean to cut you off I don't think I knew I didn't know until I looked it up because you mentioned wanting to watch it I was like oh I've seen some posts about that what is it about Mm -hmm. I was like Jane Austen retelling what yes yes (laughs) it's a pride and prejudice and it it's good. It's it's a really cute, good summer movie. So that's my recommendation. Don't Rachel, have- I feel like you also have a new update that you need to share with the podcast world because you shared this to me like a week or two ago. And I, I think a lot of people might be upset by this. I don't know. <laughs> In regards to your celebrity crushes. Do you, so... <laughs> By now, everyone has heard uh, that two months ago, I had the beginnings of a Jack Harlow crush. Um, Is that what you're referring to? Because I also, your Taika thing reminded me that I had a realization lately that Conan O'Brien should always be in like my floating top 10. Um, (laughs) But yeah, on the Jack Harlow front, I can't think of really two different people. They're both white men, but in every other way, very different people. I saw a video of Jack Harlow reading like answer giving a piece of advice and like a, a sticky video with Rolling Stone 
And he is hot in that video. And I will stand by that. In the two months since that video has come out, he has done it's important to remember that at the end of the day, he is like a 24, 25 year old white man. So like on the whole, he's doing some real nonsense things. There's now a video of him at the Kentucky Derby being carried over a puddle by two black men so that he doesn't get his shoes dirty. That's obviously a, a pretty terrible look on anyone, let alone, a, again, a white 25 year old man. So not great. He also, he just does goofball stuff all the time. So I, the crush has not panned out in exactly the way I anticipated. I do no longer follow him on Instagram, but that Rolling Stone video is hot and I'll stand by that. It's funny. He's funny in it. He does a funny job reading. It's a funny answer. It's funny. And he's hot in that video. I mean, I think that's fair. Like you, like, okay. I don't find Adam Driver always attractive, right? Right. But in some things he's really hot so you just sometimes have those people out there that right like not all the time but sometimes yes benedict cumberbatch actually is a great one too sometimes Mm -hmm. no i'm not feeling him but when he has facial hair and he's dr strange yes yes or in the power of the dog movie yeah he was a complete jackass in that movie but he was kind of hot i have to admit (laughs) it happens Times. we get it we look mm-hmm. rachel thank mm-hmm. you for owning your truth we will no longer i will no longer make fun of you for having jack harlow in your top five celebrity crushes i i did i i forgot that i i didn't realize that i had taken it that far to begin with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's embarrassing but you know you live and you learn yeah sometimes it works out sometimes it does not very very true all right so let's dive into alcohol culture, how that impacts dating, how that impacts relationships. So I don't know, like maybe first of all, describe, maybe we want to give a definition of what alcohol culture like means. Cause I think some people like, I guess, yeah, to preface this episode, I think we're all at different journeys of what alcohol substance use means to us personally but also like society wide. And I just think that in some conversations that I've had with friends talking and realizing how we live in a world that, that accepts alcohol as, as a, a, what, a coping mechanism, as something yeah. that we can do, but other drugs, even marijuana, uh, we not something that is acceptable. Um, and how I think that plays into society. I don't know if I'm explaining it well. So I don't know, Morgan, Rachel, like, do you have a way of looking at like alcohol culture or just like the society overall views of alcohol that we want to talk about? It's alcohol is, is glorified to the point where like, I've had to turn off, I've had to like go and report ads on my Instagram because I kept getting ads for like, alcohol drinks and mm-hmm. like I alcohol anymore why are you showing me these ads mm-hmm. and it's just you see and because we're we're kind of relating this to the dating scene too well I'll see you know so many pictures of people with drinks in their hand or they'll put on their um profile like whiskey and tequila makes me feel good or like I'm a wino or like they just kind of glorify their alcoholism in their profile, which is like a huge red flag for me personally, because like, I 
don't really want to be with someone who's a heavy drinker. It's, you can drink every once in a while, that's fine. But like someone who chooses to drink every single day, it's probably not going to be something that I want to get into. Um, But there's definitely a huge, like, glorification of alcohol and especially in American society for sure like mm-hmm. anytime there's a holiday there's a themed beer for it you know like and don't even get me started on wine moms because oh my <laughs> god <laughs> yeah a lot of signs a yeah. lot of yeah. signs for wine yeah and they're like yeah. I can like I can fit a whole bottle of wine in this one glass it's I'm only having one glass of wine <laughs> like meanwhile yeah. like, you know eating glue and this and the <laughs> lime that you guys made three hours ago before you got tanked yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm. and so I think to also preface this conversation like Rachel and I both do consume alcohol yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. no I just like I realized like maybe we should share that like Morgan shared that yeah. they are sober and Rachel and I we definitely do consume alcohol but I think like we've had great mm-hmm. conversations about what that means even just this past weekend as we were on vacation yeah <laughs> um, alcohol and I 100% can see all of that Morgan how our society glorifies alcohol and how it has become an acceptable drug essentially for people to consume um and but like other drugs are not acceptable to consume and so yeah. I think that's at least from my personal prep like my personal belief is that I'm not trying to say that people shouldn't drink alcohol um but I also am like we should it should be legalized nationwide uh we talked I know a, a while ago about um the use of mushrooms and psychedelics and everything too like those things should all also be decriminalized. Like maybe that's a pretty leftist stance for some people, but I'm like, we need to learn about how alcohol and drugs impact us and have a better normal conversation about those substances. And I think part of it is talking about how alcohol is glorified in our society, so. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think we've come a long way as far as psychedelics go, I think it's people are waking up to the magic of psychedelics and i think that's i'm i'm a huge proponent of of using um those kinds of medicines i would say Mm -hmm. um because i mean psilocybin has been proven to help with ptsd and depression and alcoholism yeah Um, and there's studies shown that like ayahuasca is another one that like you go through the ayahuasca trials basically and mm-hmm. you no longer have the urge to drink or smoke cigarettes anymore um like it's uh it's a it's a sad thing that the government is is impeding these um like studies because it would help so much with mm-hmm. with especially veterans i mean the PTSD that they deal with, like, yeah, crazy. But I think it's, it's the, I've read a lot of, a lot of books about, about psychedelics and like, like Terrence McKenna and, um, Tao Lin, um, Michael Pollan also talks about it too. And it's just, we just decriminalized it in Hazel Park, mm-hmm. you know, and good about that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, people use don't use it and like drive and go crazy 
you know, people use it and they stay home and they watch TV and eat a lot of food. (laughs) I was just talking to a family member about sort of like a similar premise. We were talking about marijuana in particular and about how like this, what to me is such a funny joke of marijuana being a gateway drug, right? Like that was the early, the early PR on marijuana was that like, if you legalize it, it's a gateway drug. And Certainly everyone is reacting to everything differently, to alcohol differently, to weed differently. But the <laughs> when I am high, if I don't get very anxious and just need to like kind of shut myself off and go to bed, I am just like very easygoing, don't really want to go anywhere. But when I'm drunk, like the chances of someone giving me an additional drug high, I would probably be like, I'm good. But drunk, I'd be like, you know, why not? <laughs> And so the idea that like alcohol's avoided this, this gateway label, when I think like, again, personally, the stupidest things I've ever done, I've been drunk. And when I'm high, I'm like either having an okay time or I'm sleeping is just like, yep. that's marketing, man. Yeah. Big alcohol. She got the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So I don't know, like Morgan, I don't, you want to maybe just share your experience? Um, of just what some of the things that you've learned in the last 200 days of being sober in a world obsessed with alcohol because again like Rachel I, I can at least see how our society I've started really seeing how our society glorifies alcohol while still drinking alcohol but I didn't know is there anything like couple major revelations that you've had being sober to kind of see like what just how obsessed our society is I think I have a unique view because I work in a bar and restaurant. Oh yeah, definitely then. I, I serve regulars, you know, Mm I I come in, um, every day to, you know, either get drunk or you have food and get drunk. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's just so hard to watch because it's a sick cycle dealing with drunk people especially now that I'm sober like I still go out to bars and hang out with my friends and um I think the biggest revelation I've had is I don't have to stay and drink more Mm -hmm. like I don't feel obligated to stay and hang out because everyone's having a bunch of drinks like once I once once people around me get to a certain point of drunkness, I realize, oh, this is my time to go home because there's nothing fun that's going to happen from here on out because these people are tanked and aren't going to remember much of what happens. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a, I think that's the biggest thing is that um, I recognize like the spaces that I'm in. Um, I usually try to avoid being in them for long mm-hmm. periods. Um, the dating thing, I haven't had too big of issues. Um, a lot of the times it's just like when we're, people, you know, want to have, want to meet up initially and their first, their first initial meetup place is like, oh, do you want to grab drinks somewhere? And it's like, well, yeah, I would love to grab a beverage. I would, mm-hmm. I would love coffee. <laughs> Usually my go-to and they're like, oh, well, what about, you know, like this bar or whatever. And it's, uh, it's always like, I have to reveal to them that I'm sober. Cause I don't put that in my profile. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh it's always like oh like most people are pretty positive others are just like well how come you don't drink or like questioning like yeah you don't you don't have to question it you can just say like oh that's cool or like good for you (laughs) right you know right yeah um I was sober for like a was it a year ago now maybe two years it's been a little bit but I went I did I did like a sober stint for like two months I think roughly just to because I was not using alcohol in a healthy way like not at all and I needed to reset I needed to figure out what my relationship with alcohol moving forward was going to be and even just in those times yeah trying to figure out the spaces of like okay where am I comfortable at like how do I tell people like so I, I understand what you're talking about, Morgan. And I was actually just having a conversation with a man that I um, was talking with for a couple of days uh, about like, don't you always feel like people like just immediately want to go to a bar for the first date? Like how unoriginal, how boring is that? And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of true. Like, I mean, I don't mind having a drink with her. Like, I feel like on some level that does initiate conversation, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like after a few of those dates, they get really boring. Like it would be really yeah. great if somebody could recommend or do like say, Hey, do you want to go for, I don't know if you want to go to an, a museum for the first day, something way more fun than just grabbing drinks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's the go-to thing. And so there's, I mean, and I, and I live in a bigger city that has like so much more than just bars, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the go-to is like what bar you want to meet up at it's like I don't really want to meet up at a bar can we go to the DIA or like the the plethora the other plethora of Uh museums Detroit Mm -hmm. like the DIA is free if you live in in the metro Detroit county it's a little tip for our Detroit listeners yeah (laughs) DIA yeah, no, yeah. I've thought about that, even with like hiking, like again, but the, that's mm-hmm. the hard part about the safety as a woman is that like, okay, am I going to go meet a complete stranger in the woods to go for a hike? <laughs> like, I want to feel comfortable and safe enough to do so, but that will always be in the back of my head. But like, I, I think a, a hike would be a great first date because like, for me personally, I like getting outdoors and stuff like that. And again, I feel like having that kind of a space to have conversations. Like for me, that's a, that a space to have conversations is important to me for a first date. Mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it's I think at this point too like I but I also do it like I'm always like well yeah you just want to go for a beer like for a first date like I also get into that rut of like well maybe next time whenever the next time is I go on a first date maybe try to be a little bit more original because yeah it's kind of boring I yeah, also oh go ahead Morgan sorry oh you go <laughs> well I was just gonna say I'm I'm very interested in the instinct of people to ask a virtual stranger, why don't you drink? Like, that's such a, I feel like you can just assume it's like, one, it's just personal off the bat, but like, you have no clue, like how loaded it is. I feel like people always want a story. Like they always want to hear like something like big and dramatic and intense. And it's like, this isn't, I don't, I hope that on the whole, we're moving to a place where it's like, you do or you don't. And but then we move forward and you don't have to tell yeah. someone don't have to give like this big reason and like let them decide like oh are they being ridiculous are they not like is this worth it Did, do they should they really be sober like it just yeah. uh, that's such a loaded like why would you ask that <laughs> just absorb right. it and adjust it's like it's mm-hmm. like asking someone like a, it, it's just it's a really personal yeah like you're right it's a really personal question and it's like why does it matter why I don't drink mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and you like the result Morgan, is the same like you don't so 
what's, <laughs> what's the explanation gonna do like yeah yeah you yeah. feel morgan more societal i don't even know if shame's the right word like do you feel because you've talked before on the last podcast about sharing that you're bipolar with your dates and your partners like do you think it's harder to share that diagnosis or do you think it's harder to share that you're sober in this world like do you know what i mean um no i th- i definitely think it's harder to share the mental illness than it is to share yeah. the because like with a mental illness there comes so much stigma mm-hmm. but with mm-hmm. sober it's like they're the worst thing that they're gonna ask is what why are you sober and like I can always choose just be like oh you know just choose to be sober or mm-hmm. I can give of why you know I was getting blackout three times a week spending sixty dollars a night at the bar mm-hmm. home you know that kind of stuff but like that's just depressing I don't think anyone really wants to hear about like I mean people do want to hear about that I think because like they're just nosy (laughs) but Mm -hmm. they don't care you know they don't they hear the story and like and have like some kind of fake compassion and be like oh wow like that's so that's so courageous of you and it's like I'm not looking for your like I'm not looking for your praise how brave so brave I will share that I have never dated somebody who labels themselves as alcoholic but I've dated men who I think are alcohol were alcoholics in the time a problematic relationship very problematic so for example my first um no not my first boyfriend so somebody that I had a relationship with in college um for many years um that was toxic very unhealthy um it all around really fucked me up for years to come. Part of that was his relationship with alcohol. He, mm-hmm. like, this wasn't even normal college drinking. He would buy a half gallon of vodka and hit most of his mixed drinks were 75% of that. And then like a little bit of a like mixer, like mm-hmm. every day, every yeah. day. Like there, I can't remember ever hanging out with him when he wasn't drinking. So not even like, again, in college, I, th- I don't know too, like maybe not to try to, say, there's so many thoughts I have, but I'm thinking too, like the hard part, I feel like with my relationship with alcohol started in college in that in college, everybody drank, right? Or it felt like everybody mm-hmm. drank, everybody had a drinking and some level, a drinking problem, right? You oh. all, we all did stupid, crazy shit, spent too much money at the bar, went to parties, all of that stuff. Um, and so then, yeah, even, but even in the midst of all of that, I could tell that this man that I was in a relationship, some kind of a relationship with, um, had a problem because I even remember being like, this is, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and looking back now as a 30 year old, he definitely like, don't want to put a label on, on him that he might not have used, but he, he had a huge problem with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then I recently dated somebody in the last couple of years who I ended up ending things with because I felt like he misused alcohol and honestly weed um, in a way that was like very triggering to me because I had just yeah. gone off of my, my like sober break or whatever. And I was like, I am not going to be with a man who goes from zero to 60 in a night with one of the two substances. Like that's not how I, that's not the kind of yeah. like, um, yeah. So yeah, just to say that, like, just to say that I, it's, it's not that it's a red flag for me by any stretch. If somebody says they're an, that they were an alcoholic or they, they suffer from alcohol, whatever, whatever the issues are, 
Um, but I do wonder, like in our society, I think there is that stigma though, right? To admit that like oh. you have, like even in a society that obsessed with alcohol, to admit that you have a problem with alcohol is like, that we don't want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like people are always like, well, are you going to drink again? Are you yeah. like, like they think that me being sober like right now means that I'm going to, that I'm just taking a break, that I'm like yeah. resetting and like, I've tried that before I try I was sober for like three months and then I moved back I moved down here to to Detroit and I started drinking again and that's just when the cycle started again it's just mm-hmm. I was just uh you know I was in a very unhappy place when I first moved because I didn't really have anybody and I was at a really shitty job so that didn't help and so I was just like, how am I going to cope with this? Oh yeah, alcohol, of course, because everybody does it. And, mm-hmm. and it's and it's one of those substances that if you get if you get too sloshed, no one's going to be like, "Hey, you need an intervention" or anything like that. Like they're just like, "Oh, that's just that's just how she is. She'll be fine tomorrow," you know. And yeah. um for some reason I want to say the word patronizing when pe- people are like Oh, you're gonna drink again? Like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. Over. No. That's it's it's yeah. not it. Like, I I have no choice in the matter anymore because I if I do drink, I go from zero to sixty. There is no there's yep. no mob. Yep. You know, other things yep. I can mob. I I don't smoke a lot of weed. Like when I do, I I I go through like two eighths in two weeks. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not smoking every night and going and like doing a bunch of dumb shit i'm just smoking my weed and playing animal crossing and then going to- <laughs> right right no even my the, like the two months sober break that i did i people were at like is this just break like when are you gonna start drinking like from my friends family everybody like it was just, it was definitely mm-hmm. i think that's really what made me made my eyes open up to like how weird our society is about it because it's like what if I did decide that I don't want to drink anymore but then I also had like this internal like fear of like oh my god like will I be invited to like parties will I like get will to I do be able stuff? to do things like, yeah. will I have fun anymore do I even know how to have fun without alcohol like I was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I was a when I first quit that was a big thing like because I work in the industry like and all my friends are in the industry it's very, it was a really, um, I don't, it, it was a difficult time to figure out like the boundaries of what I was okay with. And now, mm-hmm. now with, I'm cool with hanging out at a bar, you know, I, I'll drink soda water and bitters while you guys do shots and, and drink beers. And like I said, like, I know when I can, like, I can dip out, I can do an Irish goodbye and <laughs> like no one cares because like they're all they're all having their own fun time and I still have a great time you know I I have some friends that are underage which is kind of funny that I'm almost 30 and I have a friend that is 19 (laughs) and it's just it's like it's a very weird dynamic but um you know she can't drink so we just hang out and we do witchy stuff and and like you know things that we things that you can do not drunk and it's and it's great we go to leo's coney island and royal oak because it's (laughs) open in 24 hours yeah just perfect perfect (laughs) get get conies don't have to be 
wasted to do it. No, you appreciate the comic a lot more. Exactly. Do you know any other, like, or do you have any coworkers who are also non-drinking? Like, is that? Um, No, I'm the only one that is sober, which is, yeah, it's, and it's something that I've, I I kind of really embraced and I've been pushing for them to get a mocktail menu because Mm -hmm. like we have a group of people that come in every Wednesday that are sober people and what we only have to offer them water or pop we don't have like fancy mocktails and like the thing that I miss most about drinking is having a fancy cocktail yeah Yeah. about you know like I loved a good old fashioned, but that's never going to happen. Like, unless I get the, the, um, non-alcoholic spirits, which they have now. Um, Yeah. I was actually, that was another question that I had for you. And and this doesn't even have to be like an on-air thing, but I'm most curious about those non-alcoholic alcohols and just, I feel like it's all about your relationship with it and like how much to get like a recreation, a non-alcoholic recreation would be helpful or hurtful to like where you're at with alcohol. But yeah, I would love to hear if you've had those because I'm, they just intrigue me. I've had the tequila and it was scary how good, how like it, it tastes like it. Wow. And I couldn't finish the drink yeah. because it's much like tequila. I also can't drink any beer. Like, yeah tastes too much like beer and it kind of just kind of triggers me yeah and it's like this it's weird because like it's not alcoholic it doesn't it's it doesn't make me feel way but when I drink it it's like oh am I yeah a beer right now what's happening yeah yeah I just feel like it's that's such a that's such a weird line to me of like and again it's all about an individual's relationship with it and why they aren't drinking and it but I, yeah, I would just think, I, I don't know, it would be, it would, it does seem like it would be weird for it to be so close mm-hmm. in taste and just what that would bring up, like what an interesting yeah, situation. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in trying more non-alcoholic spirits, just mm-hmm. because I miss, I miss cocktails so much, Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I am weary of, of it being triggered, like triggering me to like drink regular um they're yelling at me telling me the food's ready um (laughs) (laughs) uh they are um yeah they could be really triggering and it could push me into a um yeah so I try to be really uh like I actually have a bottle of tequila at my house and like it just sits there and I just I just kind of like stare at it and every Mm -hmm. day I I could I could drink it but I don't and it's mm-hmm. I think a really powerful thing for me is having that bottle there and just being like I could drink this at any point in time because I'm a grown-ass adult making my own decisions in life but I'm choosing mm-hmm. yeah yeah I get that um mm-hmm. so something else that I've thought a lot about because of my experience early on with a man who did not handle alcohol or had a not a great relationship with alcohol that I've had to work through is sex and alcohol mm. and drugs. Oh, yeah. And like, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Because so even in college, like as I became more of a feminist and started like learning about 
about consent and sexual assault and stuff, like really starting to hear some stories and things. Like I knew that like, obviously too much alcohol led, could lead to, yeah, I just knew like the horror stories, right? But like even, I never really processed the, the mantras or the, 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 the advice that like everybody gave to each other. I gave to my friends. I would give to people all the time about, oh, just like before you go on a first date, like take a shot, you'll feel better. Or you have a couple drinks before you have sex, like it'll help you relax. Like all of this, those, that advice, you know what I mean? But like, then we would turn around and say, well, you can't really consent if you're, if you're drinking. And it's like, so what, how, what, what are we saying? What are we mess? What are we saying right now? What messages are we sending to each other? you know like how many drinks like what's what constitutes you know drunk because right. for some people it can have eight drinks and be just fine right because they have tolerance and then some people have two drinks and they're blackout drunk right mm-hmm. so right. I mean, yeah and that's not me trying to defend any sort of like thing like just saying like the, the line of consent is so blurry yeah. for, for all parties involved you right. know but I mean, mm-hmm. you can be cognizant after having a couple of drinks, but, but are you, but are you cognizant? Like, are you really yeah. making, the, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I've really had, like, it wasn't until probably like when I was 25, 26 and really like, and again, like I was, I have been super feminist, super like, like thinking about these things. But that's when I really started being like, wait a minute, this is like really fucked up. Like, but how do we like at the same time have conversations about this that like doesn't shame people because we've all done it. Like we've mm-hmm. all, like even like, all of my friends that I can think about who all, like identify as feminists and care about bodily autonomy and all of that stuff also have like said some stuff like that. I have said, again, said some stuff like that. So it's like, how yeah. do we start addressing and talking about like, we need to start having better conversations about like, look, if you want to drink before going on a date, that's totally fine. But like, think about, okay, where are your boundaries at? What Mm -hmm. are you consenting? Like, what are you willing to consent to sober and have conversations with your partners about that? Like, and I feel like those are conversations like, you know what, I'm going to bring this up because Rachel, you and I have talked about this. I think what really started making me think about these things is in the moment of the Me Too movement with Aziz Ansari's story. Yeah. Yeah the grayness that comes along with these topics, not mm-hmm. sexual assault, because there are lines of what sexual assault is and is not. Yeah, yeah. But the Aziz Ansari story that came out a few years ago, I remember like, I think it was Jessica Valenti, a feminist writer wrote like, we're not ready to have this conversation yet. Like we can, we can barely have a conversation about sexual assault. The hard part is, is that we all have know of, have been in a situation like an Aziz Ansari situation where it's like, that it's not great. It's not a great situation to be in as a woman. And even like, but even men have been in those situations too. So it's like this hard conversation of like, when you throw in drugs and alcohol into the mix, navigating Mm -hmm. those boundaries of like, what's consent, what's not like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard conversation to have. And it's, but, but I mean, it's a conversation that I think you have to have with each and every partner, you know, mm-hmm. like, you have to really like set those clear boundaries. I don't know. And like, I have partners that drink 
and then like they'll come over to my house and we'll we'll like hang out and like they'll continue to drink and it's like what's the like I don't want to like I'm not going to push anything because you're drinking (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. like and then then they'll push push things on me it's like I don't feel this is uncomfortable because you're drunk and like what's like you may be consenting now but what about in the morning yep Mm-hmm. you know like yep. that's a weird it's a weird thing to be the sober one and 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 being like I don't want to I'm not trying to take advantage of you like as much as I want to do that like I just am not comfortable doing that like and it, like I feel like the point of like Jessica Valencia's comment of us not being ready for the conversation is put such a fine point on it to me of like we really are not like I feel like we had just gotten through the idea of like people should consent to sex and then we started using the term enthusiastic consent like people should be not just willing but like like ready and willing and I just the distinctions are so great at so many different points and I think I think a hard reality especially with the Aziz story is just like how familiar that felt, I think for everyone. And I think certainly like, particularly when men and masculine presenting folks have to like come to terms with situations they've been in that like maybe looked exactly like that. I, or even worse, I think that that's been a tough, a tough processing. But even for like women and femmes, the thought of like, oh, I did let, like I too did something like this that I really Mm -hmm. felt like did not feel good to me the next morning at all like just a shitty I don't know yeah we're not good at nuance as a society and the consent Mm -hmm. thing in so in so many cases it is a pretty clear line of like yes or no but the minute you're you're drinking or doing anything like smoking it just is different and that's Yeah. And I started having those conversations, Morgan, with my partners, because I've had to come to that realization of like what my boundaries were because I was with a partner who for the four-ish years that we were sexual partners, like it was, yeah, just my own relationships and boundaries around that. And like, for the most part, my sexual partners have been pretty understanding of all of that, but it still has been really interesting for them to like, after we have a few drinks that I'm like, yeah, I'm no, I'm really, and they're like, for the, not that they ever pressured me, but they'd still be like, really? Like, like even a couple of drinks? And I'm like, at this point, no, like I need to get comfortable. Like there's yeah. it's just been interesting to like see like how they are truly are okay with it. But also like, I think for them, it makes them start questioning things or maybe start thinking about like their own boundaries. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So that's been interesting to, to kind of navigate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh it's a wild world we live in (laughs) yeah yeah that is for sure yeah I mean I I feel I mean maybe I mean personally like when I get high I feel like I'm still in control of my of my boundaries and my consent but when I'm drinking I just I don't think that that's I don't think I have control over my actions because I will do things that I normally wouldn't do if I were sober Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, when I'm smoking, when I get high, I'm still doing the same things I would do if I was not high, you know. And I have so also I, heard, I'll just put it out there, that mm-hmm. sex while high is pretty great. And I would it's, say that sex while drunk is not great. <laughs> like I don't, think, 
no sex while drunk is so it's so like awkward and like like especially for a penis holder like a pe- like someone with a penis like you're <laughs> I was I was like wait who's who is the penis holder the person <laughs> holding the penis or the person with a, a penis sorry the person <laughs> holder is the other person I'm yeah. sorry <laughs> It's, it's just not, again, I haven't had sex while drunk in quite a while, but I don't have, I can't think back to one time when I'm like, yeah, that was some pretty good sex. Yeah. Nope. I can, it's like, it's like shower sex. Sounds better in theory. Yeah. It's not that great in, <laughs> in practice. Nope. I had, I, I had one time, there's one time where I was, I, I fully consented to this, but I probably shouldn't have, but it was the night before Thanksgiving two years ago. Um, and I had done some other things other than drinking. Okay. And, uh, and uh, I went home with someone and we, I don't remember having sex with them. I remember I like came to while we were having sex and I was like, oh, so this is happening right now. <laughs> Here I am. Here I am. Um, and I was like very enthusiastic about it. Like I was having a great time when I was, when I was conscious, but when I was unconscious, I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. And that was ter- Like the next day was terrifying. I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit. I don't even, didn't even know this person. And oh, wow. I, my house, like, yeah, that is not something that I would do if I were sober. Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was a terrifying, and then we ended up. But we ended up actually hooking up for almost a year. So <laughs> happy ending. Yeah, yes, I guess what a modern, what a modern tale. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was. I mean, but but there again, that that consent, you know, yeah. like I I was the one who initiated any all of the things that happened I was like I was dancing on the dance floor he came up to me and he was started dancing with me and I was like oh this is fun and I like looked back and it's like oh he's pretty cute and I just started dancing more I was like hey do you want to go back to my place because you know decisions are you know were made and Mm -hmm. that though it's it's a blurry line like yeah while I did consent I was also blackout drunk and very high on some substances Mm -hmm. and you know I I I don't like I don't have any regret about it you know like I don't feel any shame about it but that definitely I definitely feel weird for sure yeah yeah nope I I can think of a few moments in my past as well about that so Mm -hmm. it's not like quite the same but I yes (laughs) where it's like (laughs) that's not like looking back, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say I regret doing anything, but that doesn't make me feel good that those happen. And I think again, what you said, Rachel, like that, those moments, that story from Aziz, the the piece that Jessica wrote about it, I think like so many of us can think of times like that. And it's not mm-hmm. like, and if you're listening to this and you're feeling a little bit of shame because you can think of a moment or not even shame, shame or anger for whatever feelings are coming up because you can think mm-hmm. of a moment, like I think maybe talking about this a little bit more can help us all. Like we've all unfortunately have been in situations like this, not all, actually, sorry. We, many of us have experienced situations that we are not proud to have been in, that we don't feel good about for various reasons. 
And I think just trying to learn and unpack that and to do better next time, like that's been my ultimate goal is that Mm -hmm. I want to learn from my previous experiences and have better, healthier sex and relationships moving forward, because I don't want to feel like that ever again. I don't want to be put in a situation where myself or a partner could ever feel like that waking up the next morning, like none of that. And part of it is the alcohol part, like Mm -hmm. linking it back to the overall topic. Part of it is alcohol and recognizing that while I enjoy drinking, I enjoy going out for social aspects. I really don't drink a whole lot during the week by myself. Like I don't do that. It's mostly for social. Mm -hmm. I know my boundaries around alcohol and sex and relationships and I'm getting more and more comfortable communicating those to partners. And I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's like the biggest hurdle for everyone is that communication aspect like because communication in all all of our relationships and I think like that's but it's also the hardest thing because like what if that person doesn't like what I communicate to them or like (laughs) you know yes yes I do (laughs) so there's lot you know it's 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 a heavy thing but boundaries have to be talked about and they have to be established or else or else you're never going to feel safe yeah that's a really key point that's actually a good point I think to kind of Mm -hmm. to wrap up bring up whatever um is that at the end of the day your boundaries are what keep you safe feeling safe in a relationship safe affirmed loved, welcomed, respected, whatever, whatever, like it's, um, and I think that's, um, learning how to communicate that will help keep you and your partner safe, feeling safe, all of the above. That's yeah. That's really important, Morgan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else? Cause I know that you probably have food that you want to go eat Morgan. Yeah. I've been thinking about your food. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of get to it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think if there's anything, is there anything else either of you want to bring up? No, I think I think we covered a pretty pretty good amount of things that I that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. So thank you up. for yeah, joining I'll... us again. Yeah, yeah. Of I right. I love, love hanging out with you guys. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Morgan, appreciate that. Yeah, I think uh, we'll wrap it up here on that note because I I think that that was a perfect way to wrap up our conversation on alcohol and mental, not right. I mean, we're going to completely wrap up our topics about alcohol and mental health. We will definitely touch back on these topics, but as yeah. always appreciate you, um, mm-hmm. Rachel, thanks again. <laughs> also for being here. This <laughs> here, here I, I feel am. like I should also thank you for being here. <laughs> you yeah, didn't no, have to just spend a whole long weekend with me. So thanks for coming back. <laughs> um, yes. All right. Well, Morgan, have a great time at your festival. Enjoy your vacation and yeah. stay cool because it's kind of it's kind of hot and muggy out there yeah. today. Yeah, Thanks again yeah. for letting letting me ramble on about about being sober and and all that fun stuff. Absolutely, yeah, we love it. To do it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, see you later. Yep. Bye, all Bye. If you're enjoying Ope I Did It Again, follow us on Instagram at Ope Podcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Email us. Tell us your stories. You can reach us at OpePodcast22 at gmail.com.